legends of iron. I'm John Anderson. Meet my co-host, Nick Best, and Akeem Williams. We're going to have some amazing guests on the show. Buckle up tight, because we're going to be talking about the shit you're not supposed to be talking about. We're going to be discussing anything and everything it takes to become a legend of iron. Legends of Iron is brought to you by MuscleMint. MuscleMint is the creator of Carnival Pure Beef Protein Icing. Beef built muscle and Carnivore is the world's number one selling beef protein. And don't forget to try our new Carnivore flavor, Rocket Pop. Oh, damn! Whoa, this is it right here. Wow, is this is protein? Delicious. This is too good to be protein. Woo, we about to change the game with this one. You're gonna love it. Welcome to another edition of Legends of Iron. I am John Anderson with me. Always my partners in crime, Nick Betts and Akum Lens. Unfortunately, can't be here today, but we have got a really, really killer show for you today. We've got Nicholas, I know I'm gonna say this wrong, Goyud who is one of literally the best bodybuilders in the 212 category to ever walk the planet. So we've got him here, and we are really excited to hear about some of his experiences as a top bodybuilder on the planet. Nicholas, how are you doing today, brother? I'm very good. Thank you very much for the invitation. I appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, let's oh, do it. <laughs> right on. Oh. <laughs> Let, let's 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 I mean let's just start off hot, brother. I mean, I know you were literally right at the top of the game in the two twelves. Why don't you just give us your your favorite moment on stage as a competitor? Describe that for us. Um I had the chance in 2018, I stepped on stage next to Hadi Chupan. Uh yeah. that was at the Portugal Pro Show in Europe. Um that was probably one of the best memory because uh, I mean, now everybody knows that Hadi Chupan is the number one. So uh, yeah, yeah, that was quite like uh, it's it. That was a honor to be next to someone like him, and at the same time, that was very impressive. I, I felt very small next to him, and uh, <laughs> yeah, but that was a really really good moment because uh, Hadi is a nice person. Uh, we, we had a quick chat after the show and uh, yeah, I mean, this is bodybuilding is just not about, you know, competing. It's also about talking with people, sharing the, the same passion. And uh, that, that was a really yeah. great moment. And I'm really happy now to see him uh, being at the top level. Number one, um, that, that's I'm, I'm very happy for him also because uh, we know we know also his story. He comes from a very uh, difficult country. And uh, being now at the top place, it, it's it's a great achievement for him, and I'm really happy for him. So that was a great memory. Yeah. That you said that was 2018, correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah, then 2019, I was actually mm -hmm. competing the, at the Vancouver Pro, and he showed up there. He won that show. Yeah, Vancouver. That was, that, he he yeah, was amazing. He was, oh my lord! Yeah. yeah, he was. He was. I mean, backstage, we we're all looking at him, going, "Oh man, who, who's fighting out for second here?" You know, yeah. but uh, that was one he was, he was, I mean, he was, <laughs> keep in mind, he was just coming over to the heavies at that point, but he was every bit as big as the biggest guys on stage, man. He was, yeah, yeah. you know, <clears throat> yeah, really cool, brother. So that's, that's gotta be, that's looking at him now being literally the, the, 
the biggest and the baddest on the planet. That must be an amazing memory. And you get to, you, that's a memory you get to keep for the rest of your life. That's really cool. You know? Yeah. No, yeah. That, cool. that, I know that I have competing against him. So on the other side, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I have, I've been with that guy on stage, you know, the best guy in the world. So uh, yeah, yeah, I, I feel, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's mm-hmm. my proud moment, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. Well, tell it, take us to the beginning. Well, tell us the beginning of your bodybuilding story. How did it start? You know, for so many people, it started off with a certain situation or an inspiration by somebody. Tell us, tell us you're at the beginning. Where did it all start? How did it start? Yeah, I, I was playing soccer before. Um, okay. And um, it, that, that was my sport. But unfortunately, I had a game and I broke my leg. So I couldn't play and do any sport for almost a year. Mm. And uh, when I tried to came to, to come back to play soccer, um, I, yeah, you know, I lost something like the fire. And uh, so I started to go to the gym like everybody. And um, I met my first and last coach, actually, because I work only with one person. And um, wow. I started to compete with him. So uh, I was like, just nothing. <laughs> and uh, he taught me everything, how to pose, everything about, uh, yeah, nutrition, everything, training also. And um, I started to compete in Switzerland, in, in my country. And uh, the first year, I won the national. So oh, that wow. was like more a challenge for me. So, you know, when you win the first show, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep going, you know. So yeah. uh, so that's why I just I just kept of going. Course. and Yeah. <laughs> And uh, that's that's how the the, the story uh, was made. You just kept winning. Yeah, yeah. That, that's actually what happened. So I don't want to sound pretentious, but that's actually what happened. So, uh, well, brother, please please remember this show is to let you. We're, we're here to show the world how good you really were. So please, uh, you know, be you know, mm-hmm. don't be don't feel bad about uh, about fluffing your feathers. That's what we're here for. So. Yeah. <laughs> how old were you yeah, when yeah. you talk about what you did show? what you accomplished yeah for sure actually i didn't do a lot of show because i turned pro in 2016 i won the honor classic in the u.s um and then i did like one pro show in 2017 that was uh, in charlotte uh i placed third third place and then I did in 2018 the Portugal Pro with Hadi Chupan. So I was second and he won the show. And then I won the Tampa Pro. Uh, that was like three, four weeks later. And uh, I won that show. And then I got the ticket for, for the Olympia the same year. And uh, at the Olympia, I placed 11th. And actually, that was my last show because then I didn't uh, compete after the, the Olympia in 2018. So... So how when well, the first your first show? How old were you when you competed the very first time? As an amateur, so the the, the beginning I was uh, 20, 20, 22. yeah, twenty two. And then mm-hmm. your last show, what? How old were you at your last show? Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Yeah, twenty seven. Twenty eight. Something. Like this. Yeah. So that was just a five five or six years. Wow, you did a yeah. lot in a very short period of time. Isn't that crazy, Nick? Mm-hmm. The, I, I built a lot yeah. of in the last few years. Did a lot. Yeah. So you went from being an unknown bodybuilder to being in the in the Olympia in five years. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, 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 yeah that's, that's not pretty, normal. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, and and so yeah, that's not normal now, at all. But no, and then and then here's another question. So when you started to train after your how long? Once you actually decided to start training to turn pro, how many? How long did it take you? How many years did you train to turn pro? Um, I started in 2012. That was my first year, and I turned pro in 2016. So it's like, uh, yeah, three, three years, to four years. Ah, yeah, actually, yeah. I, I made like the three first year of competition. I was junior, so I was competing in the junior division. And at that time, the IFBB and the NPC were still together. So mm -hmm. I was doing the national, then the European championship, um, and also the Arna Classic in Spain, because I was still with the NPC. And uh, after that, I did one, my first show as a senior. I mean, I was not junior anymore. I won straight after the, the first Olympia amateur in Spain. And the year after, I did the, uh, the, my last show as an amateur. That was the Anna Classic in the US. And I won the, the show also. So that was actually very fast because I was doing pretty much one show per year. And uh, I was I was I was winning, so that was one shot, and then I was staying staying relaxed uh, until the next year. So that yeah. was actually pretty good for me because I was <clears throat> prepping for six, seven months, eight months. Then I had two month break off everything, and uh, then I was able to come back. So that was that was a good, uh, um, I would say, good uh, speed because I could yeah. do like step by step the things. So. That was uh yeah that was that was good but pretty pretty fast on the other side um i didn't actually realize because i was doing things you know i mean i was uh, i just loved the process so i was doing uh my training eating was doing a show i was winning i was like oh, okay cool next let's see next year and then i just became pro and uh and just yeah. do it again win again yeah. and wait till next year and do it again and <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was a very, I was, it, it was not easy, but I was doing things without thinking, you know, uh, that was natural. I was doing up training, winning, and then I was studying again. So uh, I, I started to realize that I had the maybe potential when I turned pro, because before I was doing this for fun. I was like, okay, I was winning. Yeah, good. Yeah, let's see next year. And then when I turned pro, I was like, okay, maybe I can maybe I can still, I mean, I can think about the Olympia because it's starting to be serious now. And uh, that's where I really started to be uh, not more professional, but more conscious of uh, my ability to be uh, one of the best in the world. Yeah. Uh, so when are you getting back? Are, are you going to go back to it or are you completely done? No, unfortunately, um, after the Olympia, and that's actually the main reason why I have stopped, uh, mm -hmm. the, um, I had some heart issue. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was okay. too big. I was too big for, for my head because I'm 165. It's like 5'4", something like this, 5'4". And uh, I was oh. at, uh, yeah, I was at uh, 115 kilos. So it's like... Uh, 250 pounds yeah 250 pounds so and, and i was lean so i was not like fat at all so um yeah obviously I had, yeah yeah so uh yeah that was that was crazy actually I, I, that's massive yeah i was not I'm, conscious. I'm six foot two 300 pounds so that's 
That's gigantic. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's numbers. Wow. Everything is relative, but uh, yeah, yeah, that that, no, that was sure. that was too big. That was too big for my hip because my heart couldn't uh, support the, the weight, and uh, sure. so unfortunately I had some some issues. So I had to uh, relax myself a little bit. So I stayed back for a year. Um, and I tried to come back, so I had to change a bit my uh, my plan. Uh, I couldn't sure. be as heavy as before, and uh, unfortunately, my heart was yeah was was a bit uh, bit tired. So um, I, I had to take a decision. So um, and you know when you yeah. do the Olympia once, you do the Olympia. I mean, you don't want to step back and do a national show or something. So I was like, okay, no. if I cannot do the Olympia again. I stopped because it doesn't make sense for me to keep going if I cannot be at the top level. And uh, that's, that's why sure. I, I just said, okay, let's, let's stop and uh, let's try to uh, work more on my business, on coaching and, and, and stuff like this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and you're doing really well with that. So, I mean, it's, that's awesome. And getting to the Olympia is no small task. I mean, there's so many competitors year in and year out that their whole dream is to get there and you were able to do that and mm -hmm. rather quickly so that's awesome and it, it's 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 unfortunate but we all run into issues um, i i just had cancer um i had a renal cell carcinoma in my kidney they took my kidney so i retired from strongman going through that process so i i totally understand i totally get it i can't train light for a strongman contest the way i used to because i go rabdo it just, it just won't, I, I can't, I can't train two, three days in a row anymore. I have to I take think time off in between. It's like a, it's the dark side of the sport. And I think sometimes we don't speak enough about it because um, it's, um, I mean, it's, we, we have so much passion for this, but there's also mm -hmm. so much to lose. And that's what I'm trying now to tell nice. to my clients and people, uh, if you have the ability, if you have the potential to do it, I can understand if you want to take some risk. Uh, but if you know that you don't have the tools uh, to be at this level, you need to really think about it twice because there's a lot of to lose. The, the, the price can be very expensive. And uh, I mean, <laughs> yes. we, we, know, we know what happened the last few years when we check uh, all the, those great names who unfortunately disappeared. And uh, I think we need to we need to learn from this. We we need to learn from not the mistakes but the reality of of the sport. And sometimes I have the impression that we ignore a little bit that side. And uh, mm -hmm. we need to we need to open the eyes. I'm not saying that we have to stop everything, but we need to be more conscious of this. And we also have to speak mm -hmm. more about it because sometimes I have the impression that we. We cry a bit, like oh, it's unfortunately we lose some, we lost someone. But on the other side, we don't do anything to change the situation, you know, because there's a reason why we are still in this situation, and uh, mm. that's that's the speech I'm trying to have now, with especially with the clients I have now, because I coach people who take uh, some steroids, so obviously I try to have uh, this kind of speech also with with, with them. Um, but that's yeah, that's a very uh, uh difficult 
topic, I would say. It, it's very hard to um, uh, talk about it and also to make to, to um, yeah to make understand the reality of of of, uh, of this. Yeah. Right, and in the, in some of the hard part about that is, is how do you how do you get somebody to come to that realization that they have talent, but they don't have talent to 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 be at that level. They can do it and have fun, but maybe maybe <clears throat> pull back just a bit so that you don't push the envelope and yeah. put put things at risk. How how do you have that conversation with someone and then get through to them? Because that this that'll is, be like a massive issue with people sometimes. They just yeah. they just don't want to hear the reality. Well, you know what? Sometimes I lost clients because I just told them the truth. Uh, if someone doesn't have the potential, <laughs> yeah. but, but he thinks that yeah. he can make make it, sometimes it's my job and my responsibility to say, "Listen, you can you can do it if you want for fun. If you like the sport, I can understand it, but you need to." get a real context so you need to do the things according to your situation if you have the potential to be at this level well just do the things you have to do i understand but if you don't have the the potential you have a family you have kids at home you need to think about it and you cannot have the same approach if you're in this situation than if you're i would say single with a great potential uh, I can understand if you want to take some risk. It's it's like I always take the, the example of Ronnie Coleman because everybody today is like, oh, but you see how Ronnie Coleman he is. You see he's in a wheelchair. And I'm like, listen, Ronnie Coleman was uh, one of – it's the greatest bodybuilder ever, okay? He had mm -hmm. the potential to be eight, ten times Mr. Olympia. So yeah. I can understand if he took some risk because the guy is a legend. And in 10 years, we're going to speak about him still, you know, so oh. I can understand. But if today I ask you to tell me who was the number 10 at the Olympia five years ago, I don't think you know it. You, you, don't, you don't know. No. And, but that's no. fantastic. I mean, 10th place at the Olympia, that's a fantastic rank. But the no. truth is nobody knows. Nobody can tell your name. You need to check on Internet to, know, to, to see the, the, the person. And uh, that's the reality. So when you're here, that's where I'm like, okay, now if you're in this situation, you need to think about it. If you're in the top three and you want to take some risk, it makes sense to me. But if you're every time at the bottom, I don't know if, if it's really worth it. That's, that's, my, that's my thought. That's my philosophy. That's smart because there's not a lot of people that will give a reality check like that. And that's what makes it so valuable. And why people should actually listen, because you're going to give them the truth. And the truth sometimes is a hard pill to swallow, but it's better yes. than pushing up daisies. It mm -hmm. really is. And there's more to life than just, just, just that what, one thing. What, what did you say? Pushing up daisies? Yeah. Nick? Pushing up daisies. Yeah, pushing up daisies. Yeah. <laughs> that's not, that's not there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that was good. That was good. <laughs> Update myself there. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, I was going yeah. um, to say a lot of people, I'm glad you explained that. I don't think a lot of people knew what that meant. <laughs> oh, I love it. Under the ground and you're helping plants grow by fertilizing them, pushing the daisies up. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I love it. Well, Nicholas, let's talk about, let's talk about uh, your approach with training. 
Uh, obviously, you know, you made a whole lot of progress in a real short period of time. And, and I know the majority of people, even though that we all know that the diet is the biggest piece of the equation, the majority of people don't recognize that. So they want to know how do you train? That's what, that's what most people are going to want to know. So tell us about your training. I'm, I'm actually pretty, I'm, I'm old school. I mean, heavyweight. <laughs> I mean, I don't know someone who is not big and, uh, I mean, big for me means heavyweight. There's, there's a link, there's a connection. Uh, I mean, I don't see any strongman thin like an asparagus, you know, because they lift super heavy. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's how it works, yeah. that this is physiology. Uh, of course, when you reach a certain point, you need to uh, think more about the TUT, for instance, because obviously if you lift super heavy all the time, you can have some some issue with the joints, but that's what I, that's what I did my entire uh, career. Uh, I started to train pretty heavy. And after I would say two, three years, I've started to use more TUT. And uh, we, I have used um, a philosophy uh, that my coach Patrick Tour um, worked on. It, it called it's called uh, SST. It's sarcoplasma stimulating training, and the idea is to use the strength and optimize the strength with the TUT. So instead of putting okay. more weight, it, it, the, the idea is to uh, yeah add more time on the tension. Mm -hmm with different kind of yep. contractions, uh, with different kind of um, uh, methodology and uh, uh, yeah, approaches. So um, that's, that's what I actually did the last years of, uh, of training, but that was very intense, very, very intense. And um, I think that's a, it, it played a very, very big uh, role uh, with the evolution of my physique. So give us like, like in terms of, uh, say for a, an average uh, body part, how many steps might you train for an average body? Say for like, if you're doing like a chest workout, how many sets might you do for a, for a chest workout? Um, I have very low volume. So I would say between six and maybe 10 sets maximum, but okay. it's, it, it's that's failure, perfect. failure for every set. Yes. Yeah. Because yes. I, and that, that's, that's perfect because, you know, what people don't understand is they don't understand that when you're training intensely, you've got to take the volume and, and, and have less volume. And a lot of times people, you know, the, the general misconceptions, people think you make your progress in the gym. And really, we make our progress with our diets. It's the gym that stimulates the growth. So if you're going to train intensely, you're going to do fewer sets. So please talk about that because I think that's a really misunderstood piece of the equation when it comes to training. People think that training really intensely for big, long workouts is the trick, but you can't maintain that. That's not a big picture type solution for putting on muscle tissue. Yeah, I think it, when you work until failure, what people have to understand is that it's not only about muscle, okay? It's also about the nerve system. And if yeah. you work until failure on every set, it's very difficult, but if you do it, obviously you will need more rest for your nerve system and uh it means that you cannot do it for two hours you, you you're gonna do it maybe 30 minutes 45 minutes uh and what people have to understand it's that it's not about the numbers of sets that you're gonna do 
but the quality of those sets. So if you do four, five, six sets until failure with the proper range of motion, proper weight, uh, proper uh, rep range, it's 10 times more effective than if you spend two hours in the gym with 20, 30 sets, but not until failure. And I think that's the biggest mistake I see with clients and also people in the gym is that they, they spend a lot of time in the gym thinking that when you're in the gym, you work, but actually it's not the case. Uh, very often, sometimes I go to the gym, I see some people and I'm done with my workout before them. You see, because yeah. I, I, I go there, I put my handphone, headphones and I do my work and uh, I don't need to spend two hours. You know, I do my rest. I do my sets. I have the plan in my head and that's it. I don't need to spend much more time in the gym, you know, and, and people really yeah. have to understand this. There's a big difference, big difference between uh, what is really effective and, and the volume that you put in your workout. And uh, especially when you work super heavy, I guess for strongman and, and, and this kind of uh, approach is you work heavy and working heavy means you cannot spend two hours in the gym because you need more rest for your nervous system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so true. And, and that's something right there. I think if, if people would understand that the training is, is a, a, to, just a method of stimulating muscle growth rather than annihilating it. Lee Haney said that. Training is stimulation, not annihilation. And I think people get mm -hmm. caught up in, oh, I'm going to go to the gym and kill myself. And they take that too literally. It's more of a figure of speech. You know, I'm going to go to the gym and kick ass would be a better way to go, you know. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah. that's that's really good. That's good to hear you say that because that's the type of information that people need. You know, Nick and I talk about that all the time. We're both in our 50s. And mm -hmm. the amount of volume that we do, like, like it's crazy. I mean, it's 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 literally kind of blows even me away. I'm 51 now. And even from 10 years ago, the amount of volume I do now to stay in shape is probably half of what I did 10 years ago. And it's just mm -hmm. it's really comes down to just making sure that the, you break the muscle down and then you kind of kind of figure out what does it take to recover. And as you get older, it takes less takes less work to get the muscle broken down, but the the equal amount of time for it to recover. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Actually, the, the, well, the the problem is that uh, when you when you look at something like uh, someone like uh, Jay Cutler, he he was doing a lot of volume, but that's that's. There's a point. People have to understand that it's Jay Cutler. Okay, the guy was like I don't mm -hmm. know how many how many pounds. He had the tons of muscle and the ability mm -hmm. to go through the effort through the sets. It's probably ten times higher than I would say a basic person. And uh, that's that's what happened with the social media. I mean, people they see this on social media and they're like, oh, I can't yeah. do the same. But no, this, this is a big difference. Yeah. It's not because, it's yeah. not because <laughs> Jake Cutler is training in the same gym as, as you and next to you that you can do the same. There's a big difference. And people sometimes they don't understand this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Agreed. Very true. And I've worked out in the, I've worked out in the gym at the same time he has. At the Golds at Lake Mean Buffalo. Gold he used to yeah. train here. And I'd be, we'd be in there training at the same time, yeah. Yeah. So I got to watch some of that firsthanded. Yeah, it's not normal. People are not going to be able to do that. <laughs> Who can do that? I mean, he, he was spending like pretty much two hours in the gym and he was 
having the same strength all the time. And at the end of the session, beginning of the session, no difference. But it's yeah. just a few guys who can do that, not everybody. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about your diet. Uh, what was uh, in terms of what what really worked well for you with your diet when you were putting on all your good muscle tissue? Because I'll tell you, our, our listeners pretty much it's a guarantee that all of our listeners want to hear different methodologies to gain muscle. So the diet we know is the biggest piece of the equation. So talk to us about some of the things that really worked for you with your diet. Mm -hmm. Well, well, chicken is going to stay chicken for everybody. So I, I won't find a magic food, you know. No, because today people, they want to hear like the magic, you know, like the magic food or I don't know what. But I'm like, I'm eating chicken like you, like everybody, you know. So it's the same. Uh, the difference, I, I think the, the big, the biggest difference is the, um, uh, how do you say, the, cost, the consistency. Yeah, uh, we say like this. Yeah, um, and if you do it every day, all year, that's where you're gonna make the difference because doing a diet for a week it's super easy, but doing it for the mm -hmm. the, the whole year it's it's different. Um, I always had six like well, yeah I think there were six meals per day, um, and the, the the calories that we, I had to take was not super high because the problem I had before was my weight because I was a little bit too heavy for the 212. So I had to deal with the calories because otherwise I would be in the open division. So um, <laughs> my calories were like four, 4,000 calories per day, not more. And uh, I was I was big like this. So I really had to, to deal with this. And um, as I said before, for because of my heart issue, I couldn't also, uh, I would say, give the, the space to my body and say, okay, I can eat more and let's see how uh, I will be. I couldn't do it because I had to take care of my heart. Um, but mm -hmm. I was doing six meals per day, 4,000 calories maximum, maybe 4,500, 4, but not more. And uh, basic food, you know, oats, eggs, chicken, no, no fucking miracle. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, basic, <laughs> the basis, the basis. So really what you're, what you're saying is, is that just so everybody's very clear on this, you're saying that the, the, really the key is the consistency. It's not about some secret formulation. It's about the, the diet that works is the diet that you actually stick to. That's I think what it comes that's, that's, to. Yeah, that's how it works. I mean, you can put like, I don't know, Kellogg's or whatever you want in your diet. You need to just follow <laughs> your plan every day. I'm, I'm not really into Kellogg's and stuff like this, but um, it's it's basic food. I mean, oats, we eat oats for years, and I think Arnold Schwarzenegger was eating oats also. I mean, there's nothing new uh, uh, since that period. So, yeah, it's, it's just a matter yeah. of doing it every fucking day. And uh, when I was going to a mm. holiday, I was taking my food with me. When I was doing uh, Christmas with my family, I was eating my, my, I had my Tupperware with me, you know. They were eating whatever they want, but I was eating my, my green beans with my uh, chicken and stuff. And that's what people, that's where people don't really understand this. They think that, oh, it's because it's Christmas, you can do whatever you want. No, that's not how it works. Uh, if you want to be number one, you need to do everything to be where you want to go, you know. And uh, people are not re really ready to make this uh, th this kind of change, you know. And um, 
yeah, I mean, that's where you make the difference. It's, it's all those little details when you put them together, it makes a big difference at the end. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, I mean, it really what it comes down to is like, you, mm-hmm. it's like you started off, you said chicken's the same for everybody. That's, that's perfect. <laughs> you know? Yeah, ch- chicken. So fish, tell I mean, me. It's the same for everybody. So, everybody. Yeah. The, the question I have is what would be the difference for you between chicken and beef? Um, uh, I would probably choose according to my uh, stomach. I mean, how I can uh, digest the, the food. So if I feel bloated okay. or I have some issue with this, then I would select some something else. That's that's the big difference. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's still the same amount of protein uh, for both. Uh, maybe I would say red meat is maybe more uh acid maybe for the stomach that's maybe the only difference but i know some people they can eat red meat every day twice a day and they don't have any issue and some people they have issue so yeah you see so for you yeah so uh, i was i was eating red meat every day too and i never had any problem with this before so i think it's a lot of about yeah it, it it's it depends on everyone i saw i saw the diet of um labrada uh, a few few years ago and he was eating a lot of uh, red meat and he had a lot of shakers. Uh, that's not what I would do like this if I have to build a, a diet now, but why not? I mean, if it works for him, if he has a good blood test, if uh, he feels good, why not? I mean, that can work. So I'm not against this. I think there's a, as many approaches as athletes. How many of the athletes do you think are actually paying attention to their blood tests and getting blood work done? Oh, which is a not, critical not mistake. Many, not, not many, not many. Yeah. Um, so and, that's and, a big deal. Yeah, that's a big deal. I, I think the problem, I, I don't know, if, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think in the US, it's not an obligation to have a social uh, assurance, right? Mm-mm. No. What is it? The what? The, the what? I don't know how you call it. So, social assurance or uh, the you know, like, um, oh, in, oh, insurance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 Okay. No. Be- because where I live, that's an obligation. That's the first, um, obligation. If you want to stay in the country, you need to take one. You cannot stay in the country if you don't pay uh, a social insurance. So, uh, with the social insurance, you have a lot of things that you can actually uh, do, and they're gonna pay for you. So if you take, if you do a blood test with your doctor, the the social insurance is, is gonna pay for it. But I know that in America, if you don't have one, obviously you have to pay by yourself. And uh, I guess if you do a lot of blood tests, it's it's kind of expensive. And I think it's also this the, the problem comes from this. I mean, if you don't have social insurance. You're gonna to try to save money, and and a lot of athletes, I think, they save money on this, and uh, on the other side, they they prefer to buy some steroids. So, I mean, that's a choice, but it's it's also a reality, and, and I think it's the reality from from the US. That's something I see very often uh, in, in in this country, um, but it's terrible on the other side because uh, people have to do it. I mean, it's it's the first step if you want to uh, keep your health. Uh, under control. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll agree. Because I, I'll get blood work done probably every three months just to 
Well, I have to now. I don't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> but I did it yeah. anyway, just to just to see where I was at and everything else. Yeah. Because I mean, I'm picking up. Well, powers. I mean, you got to monitor <laughs> monitor health. You know, I mean, it, even mm -hmm. even from the standpoint of not being uh, taking athletics and putting that away. You still want to make sure you're at our age process prostate still working properly. You know what I mean? Yeah, prostate yeah. cancer in America, I think, I think what, like seven out of 10 men get prostate cancer in America now. That's insane. That's, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and that might forgive that statistic may not be perfect, but it's, it's up there. It's like alarmingly high, you know, prostate cancer runs rampant in America. You know, and so to to get a blood test to make sure that you're still okay, it's just it's common sense, you know. So oh, for sure. Well, so tell us tell us a little bit about your your opinions on the the current about the the sport today. Like, what do you think about? Uh, obviously, no, like we talked about, Hottie being the, the the champion. What do you think about some of the young guys coming up? Tell us, give us your opinions on the current position of the sport. That's um. I think there's a part of me is wanna wanna say it's actually scary <laughs> because when you're so young and be at the top level like this, I'm always wondering how you're gonna be in 20 years. That's that's my question. Uh, but that, that's just the I would say health aspect. But it's very very impressive. I think the classic division really uh, brought something new, and uh, it's pushing the other division also. Uh, when, when, when we check, uh, when, we, when we see the men's physique division now and we try to see the men's physique division uh, five, six years ago, uh, there's a very big difference. And um, we, we are getting bigger each year, I think. That's, that's the big, uh, big issue, I would say, because um, we always want to be big and bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, I think we need to um, uh, keep uh, a certain... I would say um, basis, and uh, I think the classic division for this is actually pretty good because I have the impression they they bring this back a bit, and uh, I cannot say it's it's safer, um, but it's uh, I would say more what has to be bodybuilding in my opinion in terms of physique, um, mm -hmm. because sometimes in the open division I think we're we're going too too far. Um, I mean, I love watching Freak on stage, but uh, being a Freak has to be also aesthetic on the other side. So and it's very hard to find the balance. Um, and for instance, we were talking about Hadi Chupan. Hadi Chupan is a really the best ambassador right now in the Open because he has those lines, those, those uh, muscle belly, and um, he's still aesthetic. I mean, he has good waist and, and everything. But it's super hard to to find, in my opinion, athletes who got this today in the open division. Maybe uh -huh. Derek Lansford, who is, in my opinion, fantastic, and Hadi Chupan really got this, um, I would say, lines to represent the the bodybuilding in the open division right now. But I think there's a there's a hole like between those two guys and the rest of the division but that's only my opinion um well yeah. on that opinion what are your th what are your mm -hmm. thoughts because you got you just talked about hottie and derek both these guys came from 
the lightweight division, and they spent years trying to keep their weight down, which then obviously kept their midsections from getting too big. Do you think that's a big part of some of these guys, like these two guys especially, that's who, the top, that's who we're talking about. They've got very nice waistline still because they spent years trying to keep their weight down in that lower division. Do you think that's really – do we think we're going to see a trend of lightweight guys coming up that have a better, you know, more aesthetic physique that's going to continue to kind of rock the boat in the open division because the open guys get too big and they lose their lines? Do you think this yeah. is a trend? That, that makes sense to think like this. I mean, uh, I didn't actually think about it, but now you say it, that, that's true. I mean, they come from the 212, and um, the 212 division is very, very hard because you need to keep those, this, this weight at, at the 212. And um, that's also the reason why uh, we see more condition, in my opinion, condition athletes in the 212 division than in the open because they have to, to fight with, with this weight. And... Uh, I think there's probably a, um, a link with um, with this waist and, uh, and 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 the way they look now in in the open. This this probably a link, yeah. Uh, that makes sense to me. And um, as you can see, I mean, Sean Clarida. I mean, he didn't compete in the open, but he 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 made some uh, open show also, and he won. So um, there's also probably yeah. it's probably the same reason why he he made it because uh, Sean is doesn't have uh, the, 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 the height, I mean, the height uh, with him because he's very, very short. So it's super, super hard to compete in the open when you're, when you're short like this, but he made it a few times. So it probably proves that if you have this waist and you manage to keep the weight under control, that can really help for, for uh, winning and, and keep the lines actually, the symmetry. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, uh, like Derek Lunsford, his first year and placed second in the Open, uh, what do you what do you predict in the future for him? Well, I think he's going to be the future, so he's gonna he's gonna win. I mean, I don't see someone better than him in terms of lines, except one person. It's maybe Kion, but he needs to bring the condition. That that's the only thing he has to bring. If Keon brings the condition, he can he can really make it because he has this, you know, this weight super thin and those shoulders so big. I mean, the the V V tape uh, impression that you have when you watch those guys, it's it's super impressive. And I think Derek and Keon, in my opinion, they have the best structure in the two twelve division right now. Um, now Derek also still has some some work to do with the condition. So the fact that he's second, knowing that he can still improve the condition, it, it's, mm. it's, uh, it's a good thing for him for the future because I don't think people can beat him even if they have a better condition. And we saw it at the, at the Olympia because uh, uh, guys like Nick Walker, he had fantastic condition, but in terms of line, you see that Derek was, was, was ahead. He was second. So, I think the line is uh, a little bit more important. I mean, that's what we saw at, at the last uh, at the last Olympia. That's that's maybe also the decision of the judges. Maybe they say, okay, now we need to put this. Uh, I mean, the main uh, aspect, the main um, parameter, has to be the the line. So that's maybe what they they choose. If it's the case, I think it's the right decision. <clears throat> yeah, it, it definitely does seem like they're starting to reward 
the lines and conditioning, which obviously is uh, helpful. Like Nick Walker, he's a beast and he's really conditioned. Obviously, doesn't quite have the same uh, same lines and taper as the Derek Lunsford, but uh, you know that's a that's you know from his he's doing the, it's a genetic thing. He does just doesn't have that little waste, you know. Yep. But I guess from the standpoint of the open, you get a couple guys in there like Derek that can bring the size, which he's bringing the size and that little waste and the conditioning. You can see and he's pretty young too, isn't he? How old is he? Oh, I think he's like twenty, uh, maybe maybe thirty or twenty and nine, something like this. This is very young. Yeah, I was gonna say he's kind of at the he could he could go on a pretty good run here, um, mm -hmm. you know. But I think you're right. I think the judges are starting to favor the lines, which I I agree would be really helpful for the development of the sport. Yeah. You know, yeah. I agree. The aesthetic look. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is, it is, let's be honest though, it is fun to see just these big beasts that are just over the top, you know, the big Rami looks, you know, but at the same time, you know, I, I guess there's just something about the illusion when you can put a guy like, uh, you know, you put a guy like Derek Lunsford or Sean Clarita next to big Rami, and even though you can visibly see there's a huge difference in structure, they actually look bigger. It just, the illusion is pretty crazy. It's, it's, pretty amazing how a physique can gain size just by the structure you know yeah and i so. think there's um we there's a kind of transition with the generation since the last two years i think so uh mm -hmm. because a few years ago we had like wally winkler we had all those guys and today they are not there anymore so we see also a new generation coming like nick walker uh sean sean was still there but he was a little bit in the in the shadow a bit before so now he's coming and he's number one in the 212 and um derek is the new face hadi chupan also i mean he was he's not new but on the olympia stage he's compete just since the last uh four last years i think so so um he, we can consider that he's new also and uh all the guys you have behind like labrada um valier those guys are the new faces of uh, bodybuilding now so yeah, I mean, it's a new generation coming, so um, it's actually pretty exciting to see also because I think it's now super open. Maybe I think, as I said before, Hadley and Derek have the top spots now, but the rest, I think it's super open. I think uh, the person who was 10th can also finish at the 6th or 5th place, and uh, that, that's why it's very interesting now to watch also the open division. So it sounds like you agree with the way the judges are taking the sport. They're starting to reward the guys with the better physiques. Yeah. Yeah. I think to me, that makes, makes that makes sense. Yeah. The, the way I, I was very happy to see how they, they, uh, the, the work they did at their last Olympia, because I, I, I found it pretty logic. And also the fact to give the, the first place to Hadi, knowing that he was competing and was, he was really good the last show uh, at the Olympia. And uh, I think it's they made it in the in a proper way. I think so. That that was a very good decision. And in in every division, yeah, classic also <laughs> uh, men's physique. I don't watch much a lot of the the, the men's physique division, but uh, from what I saw, it, it's also pretty logic in my opinion. Okay. You know what about uh, you know Hani Rombod has got he, what he's got the two top open guys he's got the top you know physique guy 
I mean, clearly, what talk just a little bit about what you think about him, your opinion on him. Clearly, he's got the formula. You know, he's good at picking athletes too, but I'd love to hear your opinion. Coaches make a big difference. Talk to us about coaches. Yeah, I mean, Annie Rumble, for instance, he knows how to pick the guys and he knows how to prep them. Um, I mean, probably now we cannot say anything about him, I mean, bad, because, I mean, the guy, he, he's, he's number one in terms of coaching now because he has the best, the best guys. So, obviously, uh, it's, uh, it's the number one right now. We cannot say the, the opposite. But I think um, the coach really can make a big difference. Um, and what I see uh, nowadays uh, is that people, they change a lot, the coaches. Um, they, sometimes they do one season when, with one guy and then they change mm-hmm. and then they change again. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really, I, I think it's, a, it's not the good, a good thing because if you change all the time, you never know what you have to change from the last season because you're going to have a new approach, a new uh, technique and, and everything. And it's super hard to have like a reference and know what you have to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, in my opinion, it's good to make some mistakes, even if you do a bad season with the coach, because you're gonna be sitting learn. at the table and you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna learn, you're gonna talk about this and you, learn. you're gonna say, okay, uh, we have to change this, this didn't mm-hmm. work. Uh, this is what happened with, with my coach because I worked 10 years with the same person um, and we didn't do everything perfect at, at, at the first show, but every time after the show we were talking and we were like okay this was good this was not good so we have to change for next next show and this is why step by step we managed to bring the physique uh at, at this level because we took time and we we work on it so we didn't just oh uh, it didn't work so okay i go with someone else no it's not how it works um and it's and doing this in my opinion is also good for um the relationship that you're going to have with the person because it's uh it's about loyalty it's about trust uh and i think it's very important to have those values when you do that sport because it, it really helps to strengthen you know the the collaboration and um sometimes you have to change i mean that's how it works but doing this every season is in my opinion uh not a good thing it's not a good idea yeah yeah i would agree with that because you're yeah, you know it's it's, it's a cu- it's a cumulative it's a cumulative thing it 100 if you're always jumping around. i think it you know it's funny it's almost like it's it's in in current sports today in bodybuilding it just seems like everybody wants things so quickly making these changes it's it's not about making changes like going from here to there it's about just doing the same process over and over and making these little tiny adjustments every time you repeat the process, you know, I, I, it's the instant gratification that goes on in society as it is, you know, yeah, yeah. Everybody wants instant gratification and it's like, that's not how this works. This is a slow methodical learning process that you always keep learning. And if you change people all the time, how are you going to have consistency or move forwards and learn? Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely right. That's it. So, Nicholas, tell us a little bit about what is bodybuilding like in Switzerland? Uh, nothing. <laughs> it's a very small <laughs> world. 
I, yeah, I can. Obviously, I, can. I, had, I had kind of a feeling it was it was going to be a little bit smaller, but obviously, you being you being such a you obviously were a star, but in a country where it wasn't really big, what was that like? I mean, was it uh, was you know did they understand how good you really were on a world level? Uh, you know, it's uh, Switzerland is a very peaceful country, so they don't really give a shit about bodybuilding people. I mean, it just, <laughs> but that, that, that's fair. That's fair enough. I mean, for me, that's good because I, I don't need like, uh, I mean, I, I just do this for myself. I don't need any, uh, yeah. you know, reactions or, or whatever. So yeah. um, if you go in the industry in bodybuilding with, in Switzerland, I mean, people, they know me. Yes, of course. But. I'm not like a superstar, you know, I mean, I'm not uh, famous, like taking pictures with people in the streets. So that's, that's good for me because I don't like this. Um, but, um, <laughs> but no, it's, it's a small country. So you, you can count on one hand, the numbers of professional because it's a very small country. So we have a few, we have a few bikini professional and a few men's physique, but uh, we don't have any open right now. Um, and we don't have any more, any, any 212. So, so it's super, yeah, it's, it's small, but it's, uh, we, we are not a country of bodybuilding. We, we play soccer, we play hockey and, uh, and that's it. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm the ovni of uh, Switzerland because I did something super different and, um, yeah. And, and I don't regret, I mean, that was, that, that's, um, uh, fantastic uh uh industry i mean i really love the sport even if i'm retired now i really love it i still follow every show and uh i mean when you go in this in this world then you're you're gonna do it or you're gonna have it in your blood until the end of your life that's how it works yeah well it's all kind of i mean you're obviously like you still train you still it's like that's that's the stuff you never really you never really stop you just stop competing. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's I mean, like, he, it's like, remember when, remember when Arnold, remember when Arnold retired, he said, I'm, I'm not stopping bodybuilding. I'm just stopping competing in bodybuilding. You know, yeah, I mean, when you, when you start a diet, I mean, you can, you, you don't stop. You, you know, when I was off with the competition, I don't know if it happens to you, but very often I was like, okay, I don't have any diet, so I don't have any precise quantities to, to do. But I was using my, my, my scale every time, every time. I mean, I was, yeah. even, even if I had no uh, obligation, I was putting my oats on my, on my scale. And I was like, okay, hey, brother, I, 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 I got to scale. I got to scale my kitchen. I, you can't just, it becomes a habit. You just want to know what you're eating. You know, yeah. even when I'm on holiday, yeah. I do the same. I mean, I, I have my scale because <laughs> I, I don't like to just put my food, you know, on the pan. And I, I, I need to know what I, what I eat. And, and uh, it's, it's, it comes from bodybuilding. I mean, you, you, you have to do it every day because it's a, yeah, it's a lifestyle. It, that's what people don't, don't understand. It's a lifestyle. It's not because you don't do competition anymore that you stop everything. You, as you said, you just stop to go on stage. That's it. But the, the lifestyle is still the same. Yeah. You do your cardio. I do my cardio every morning. At 6 a.m., I'm doing my cardio every day. Nobody tells me to do it. I just love to do it. That's the difference. And I still go to the gym. I, go, I, I love training. I love doing my diet. The difference is that maybe I have more 
I would say freedom. Uh, if I want to go to the restaurant, I go to the restaurant because I don't have any obligation. Yeah. But ninety percent right. of my time, I'm, I'm I'm doing my diet. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, you think about it. <clears throat> if you look at our lives as humans, all of the important things in our lives we measure somehow, some way. You know, we measure our bank accounts. We measure this. We measure that. It's silly that we never were taught to measure food because food actually is what makes us healthy. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. we, most people have never been taught this. So what you're saying and, you know, what we do, it makes a lot of sense. It's just people have never really been shown how important it is, you know? Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, this is um, – it's – it's a it's an entire world. I mean, the, you have everything in the same in the same bubble. And when you're inside this bubble, even if you don't compete, you're you're still inside this bubble. You cannot go out. I mean, I yeah. don't know any people. I mean, even my coach, he has competing as a professional. Um, okay, he doesn't go do he doesn't do his cardio and everything, but he's eating his chicken. I mean, when he has to eat, his meal is chicken with veggies and rice. I mean. Because, I mean, no pizza, you know, it's not logic. I mean, it's, it's in your blood and that's, it, it becomes yeah. your genetic, you see. So um, it's, uh, yeah, when, when you, once you start this, you never, you, you cannot go out. It, it's forever. And I think it's good because as you said, it's, it's for your health also. And mm. um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and another thing too is once you start to, you start to eat properly and you take good care of yourself, if you realize how good you feel and so your quality of living your standard of living goes high up and if you stop doing that you start to feel low and who who wants to do that like for me if i eat pizza it's really the it's how bad i feel i mean i don't eat pizza because i'll feel like shit for the next three hours i feel terrible and that few minutes of eating a couple pieces of pizza is not worth the next two or three hours of my life feeling poorly you know, and that's a physical thing. It's just, I feel tired. I feel, oh, I don't feel well. Hell, I don't even take a, it even messes up a good dump, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. No, I, I agree. So, I agree. Yeah. And it's also, yeah. um, I think when I don't train, because sometimes people, they tell me, oh, but you don't compete, so you can do whatever you want. Why do, why do you go to the gym and train every day? And I'm like, Listen, if I don't train, if I don't eat my meals, I, I, I am not productive at work because mm. uh, doing yeah. training and everything, it makes me feel good, good in my brain, good in my yeah. body. And if I yeah. feel good with myself, I'm way more productive in my job. I can mm. work. I have a better everything focus is on better. my job. Everything is better. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's unfortunate in America. You know, people literally say, well, you know, I hear it all the time. Why don't you eat normal? Well, because normal makes me feel like shit. That's why. <laughs> <Normal sucks. laughs> yeah. I mean, if, 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 if normal, <laughs> that's right. If normal means going through a goddamn drive through I don't want to be normal, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. So what's, as, as, that's right. <laughs> well, brother, we've we've had you on here for almost an hour. We really appreciate your time. But tell us a little bit about what's next for you. So obviously, you still live in the lifestyle. You're training clients. So what's what's the next ten years look like for for Nicholas? 
Uh, now I have my coaching, so I, I, I try to work a lot on this, trying to uh, get more clients, uh, be more independent. And um, I'm traveling also very often to Mexico. I go very often to Mexico. I like I like going there. So I'm trying also to have some, uh, uh, I don't know how you're saying in English, but maybe find, find a place there just to stay because I really love this place and mm -hmm. doing like six months per year right. in Mexico and six months in Switzerland. Yeah. It's that guy right there. Brother, I have a, pl I have, a, I, I have a place in Mexico. No way. Where, where, where do you go? I mean, it's in San Felipe. I, you, are you? I even got a guest house. You can come down, stay in the. Oh. I mean, we're on Baja, so if you're interested in that area, uh, thank but, you very uh, much. Appreciate yeah, I mean that's. Yeah, I mean it's. I'm, I'm with you. It's great to be able to go down there and and chill and and that we're in a place where there's still a gym and the food is actually spectacular. It's, you know, it's yeah. un, unfortunately, unlike America, the food's still unadulterated, but either way. Yeah. So, so basically you're, it sounds like you got, uh, you've taken everything that you loved and you've just made a profession out of it to make money. That's wonderful, brother. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's all anybody can ask. Great. That's really cool. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Well, <clears throat> before we wrap this baby up, you got anything for Nicholas before we go, Nick? Yeah, I just want to say thank you. That was, I, you know what? People are really going to learn a lot from this. And you spoke from the heart, even when it can be controversial yes. and things that people don't want to hear. So thank you for doing that. Yes. Because we, you're right. We do need more people to, to do that. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks to you for the invitation again. So I really appreciate the time. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and Nicholas, it was an absolute pleasure to have you come on here. You know, I was really excited to talk to you. And, and I love, you know, your perspectives. I love your, your very simple, straightforward. And, and just like Nick said, your honesty is something that we need more of in the world. So again, I, I thank you for sharing today on the show, brother. It's uh, it was a pleasure having you on. So, and there you have it, everyone. There is another edition of Legends of Iron. We got to speak with one of the best two 12ers ever on the planet. The crazy part is he did that all in a span of just five years. So if this didn't inspire you, I don't know what will. I hope you guys have a great day. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time. Legends of Iron is brought to you by Muscle Mix. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. Damn, man. Give me to my workout, man. Yo, hey, yo, bro, what's wrong with you, man? What's wrong with you, bro? What's on your hold on, man? No, you need beef, bro. You need beef, man. So what do you mean, what? Come on, yo, you're not wearing protein, you're gonna have you going to the bathroom, man. You're gonna mess up your stomach, man. This is lots of free, man. Come on, champ. Big build muscle, bro. Drink it out, man. You're gonna mess up yourself, man. I'm gonna try this. I'm trusting you. Take that, man. Thank you. Messing up my workout. Beef it up with carnivore, beef protein, isolate. 23 grams of protein, zero fat, zero sugar, zero lactose. What you waiting for? Beef it up.